Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast. It's just me today, just spread with you, just chilling out. Uh, had problems getting the group together, uh, but I want to make sure we still got a pod out to continue our streak of providing uh, some look into the tournaments upcoming. And uh, we'll probably check in during the week when we can get the whole gang together. Had some scheduling problems this weekend, uh, but the show must go on. So I'm here with you to kind of discuss the goings-on in the world of the WTA. So first thing I wanted to talk about was the Australian Open, since we have yet to have a podcast since that wonderful event finished. And wow, what a surprise it was. Sophia Kennan who we did not talk about at all very much during our preview pod, was able to come away with the uh, win. And it was something that we did not expect. We thought that this might be the time that the WTA was going to kind of start to tear out and there was going to be an elite top tier. And it wouldn't just be the wide open, wild, wild west that it had been. And boy, were we wrong. So, Sophia Cannon was able to get her first... Grand Slam title, first major title, uh, and she did it in spectacular fashion. She overcame Ash Barty in the semifinals um, in a match where she really just showed a lot of mental toughness. She was able to outlast Ash, and she was able to put her best performance there in the pressure situations. And then she did the very same thing in the finals against an in-form Garbine Muguruza, who... Uh, what big, <laughs> other than Kennan, she was a surprise of the tournament. So, uh, what a surprise that we had in the Australian Open. And I'll tell you what, we here at the Net Worth Pod were not expecting that. But it's another fun wrinkle into the WTA, and we uh, always like that. So, first to talk about the champion, Kennan, and her prospects moving forward. Uh, boy, does she look good. She's taking the next step. Um, she's using her consistency um, to really make her a threat to win tournaments. We always thought that she would fall short as some of the women in the WTA hit through her and, and that she had a problem struggling with these matchups, but she showed that that's not the case. And she's kind of elevated herself um, to the level of a Halep or a Wozniacki or a Svitolina as far as defensive players that are able to get things done. And it's number one, it's a combination of quickness on the baseline. Uh, so quick on the baseline, returning shots and mental toughness. So when you have these great, she has a great, ability to defend and she's mentally tough and it's very tough for these other women to overcome that so you have to give Kenan credit and I'll tell you what I did not have her as high uh, as some of the other people did going into this season and now she's really made her mark and now she's going to have a target on her back and we'll see how she deals with we've seen some players uh, my favorite Ostapenko Ash Barty kind of struggle after winning their first Grand Slam title with the increased media attention, um, the increased pressure going into the tournaments and media obligations, which obviously takes away from your time uh, to simply just prepare. She's no longer under the radar and all her opponents will be gunning for her. So it'll be interesting to see now of all these players, I think that she might be the most suited to handle this. She's so mentally tough to begin with. And let's be honest, she seems to like the attention the most. I mean, I think that um, Ostapenko definitely enjoys it, but I don't know if she was necessarily ready for it. Um, I don't know if Barty really enjoyed it that much at all. She seems to just be, be getting comfortable now. Um, like Osaka, it took her almost a year uh, to kind of settle into her new role as the top dog in the WTA. And, and I think that Kennan 
because of number one, just mental toughness being one of the key facets to her game. And number two, she seems to actually enjoy the attention a little more than the other women. I think that she might be able to adjust faster, but that's something that we are going to keep an eye on uh, going forward as far as our, our capping of Sophia Cannon. And we definitely have to give her credit because I'll tell you what, I for one uh, was not expecting this to happen. Let's go on to her, uh, the person that she defeated, and that's Garbine Muguruza, who might have even been a bigger surprise, right? I mean, uh, picked against her in round two against Tom Janovich, right? I, she was suffering from a viral illness coming in, and we had talked in the preseason pods, and I was really high on Muguruza this year. I really thought that the coaching change uh, was going to be good for uh, it. It obviously outlived its usefulness, and in a world of coaching uh, musical chairs, I think that Garbine stuck with her coach longer than usual, whereas I sometimes think that these uh, women get rid of their coaches a little too quickly. And I think it's hard to have a new uh, coach and a new style every season, especially with the limited offseason that the WTA players have. So with Garbine switching coaches, I really uh, expected results, but not so quickly. Now, if we didn't hear the rumors of the viral illness and the fact that she wasn't even practicing going into the tournament because she felt so bad, maybe I would have had higher hopes. And I know that that did damper my expectations, but I could tell... Watching the Tom Janovich match, we were live, we did the Periscope, we had a great time with the Periscopes, and we watched it, and I said uh, to Steve and to Noops and to Jorge, her body language looks different. Uh, she looks confident. This reminds me of the Wimbledon run, and so I knew what to expect there, but the thing was, we've seen this with Garbine a lot, right? She's shown flashes. She won Mexico last year. Um, she's a hitter. Supremely talented, great serve. Um, so when she's on, she can beat most any other player, especially defensive players that will play into her strength, and that's the ability to hit the ball, keep points short, and put things away. So Garbine's ascension is another story that we took away from the Australian Open, and it was just fantastic to see because I think the WTA is a better place with the competitive Garbine Muguruza. And as a coaching advocate, uh, I felt like even though, you know, I prognosticated this incorrectly for this tournament, I was correct for this season. And I think once again, it shows how important the coaching is in such a mental sport like tennis and whether or not it was strategic adjustments or just simply um, the comfort and uh, support and uh, motivation that Conchita provided her. We saw a different player on court and it's exciting to us and basically exciting to all WTA fans. So Garbine is one that we are going to look for moving forward because guess what? She can play on all three surfaces. She can be dangerous anywhere. So um, this isn't a player that, that just thrives on hard courts or thrives on clay. Um, she's an all-court player. She's got a big game that's fun to watch. She's got a fun personality. And she carries herself like a star. Uh, she is a true um, star in the way that she plays and the way that she conducts herself. So good for Garbine and good for the WTA. I'm going to touch on the other two semifinalists really quick um, because I think that their roles and their story is, is kind of important to telling the story of this tournament. So Ash Barty, uh, I mean, I want to give credit to Kenan, and she deserves all the credit in the world. But, but let's be frank, Ash blew that match. Ash should have won that match. Um, she, it, it came out to how we handicapped it. We thought that it would be a close match and that Ash's experience and offense would shine through in the big points. In the first set tiebreak, uh, 
Um, she she should have had it. She fell apart. And it was rough to see, not only as a Barty backer, but just as a fan of Ash because of how sweet her personality is, how endearing she is now that she's become more comfortable with her role as a star. And, and you're kind of getting to see her personality come through. So it was tough from both those aspects to watch. You got to give credit because her mental toughness caused this, right? This isn't just that Ash just melted down out of nowhere, right? Kenan forced this to happen. She put the pressure on her. Uh, she was able to redirect, keep the ball deep, force Ash to hit the shots that she didn't want to hit. And then when she did get her opportunities, I think because they felt so fleeting, uh, I think she had a, a tendency to jam them up. And still in my head, I have the... Uh, the set point uh, drive forehand volley that she netted and it caused her to lose the second set. You know, she missed the set points there and it caused her to go on to lose. So it's an interesting thing to go with Ash Barty going forward. How will this affect her? I don't personally think it's going to affect her that much. I think that this is just another bump in the road. I think that she is still acclimating to her role as the hunted and not the hunter. Um, but I'll tell you what. It was a little disappointing to see because, especially now, you know, sitting here a week from the tournament, we have to, you know, she has to see that this was an opportunity that she missed because that match was there for her to win and she matches up well against Garbine and she has to know that she, she missed an opportunity there. Fortunately, she's young. She's got a great game and a great attitude and she should have plenty more opportunities. Hopefully, she'll be able to learn from them. Uh, the final semifinalist was Simona Halep, and this was another one that surprised me. I thought that um, despite the head-to-head -head advantage for Garbine, that Simona's consistency uh, would prove too much, but it didn't. And on that one, I definitely want to give credit to Garbine. I don't think Simona played that poorly. I don't think that she misses the opportunities. I don't think that she's sitting there like Ash would be thinking of the missed opportunity that semifinal. She played a Garbine Muguruza who was playing her best. And we all know, uh, you know, this is why, and I have a tendency to do it too often, uh, we kind of pick the power players because when the power players play their best, they can sometimes hit the defenders off the court, the natural defenders. And that's what she did to Simona. Um, so I don't know if Simona will be as distraught or feel like the opportunity was missed as much as Garbine, as, um, Ash Barty, because Garbine played so well. Uh, regardless, it was nice to see Simona back in form. She played some great tennis all week. Uh, she looks to be doing good under Darren Cahill. And to me, she has to still be the favorite to win the French when she gets over to Clay. So uh, great performance from Simona and, and from the four semifinalists overall. And, and before we move on, I just wanted to give all the credit to Sophia Cannon because the display of athleticism combined with mental toughness that she showed is really what the WTA is all about. So really quickly, before we move on to previewing the next tournaments, I just want to talk about the Fed Cup really quick because I don't really watch Fed Cup that often. But with Latvia playing the United States, so I saw my home country versus my favorite player, I had a lot of fun watching it. And it was, it was pretty cool to see... Uh, Ostapenko was able to, you know, play Serena in a tight match. I, I grabbed the plus five. I knew I thought it would be close because 
Ostapenko can hit with Serena. That is a fun match to watch. I mean, that was kind of what grabbed my attention was I wanted to see these two women hit, and it did not disappoint. Uh, that was a lot of pace on the ball, especially in contrast to the uh, Sevastova Cannon match. Um, so great match there. And then uh, on the next day, the roles flipped. So Ostapenko was able to beat Kennan, which honestly I didn't expect because I thought that Kennan would be able to get the errors out of her, and she just didn't. Ostapenko redlined. And that was something to keep an eye on looking forward because that red line panko can be dangerous to anyone. Uh, then Sevastova turned around and beat Serena, which was another one that I did not expect, especially with Sevastova just getting pasted by Kennan uh, the day before. So overall, it was a fun event. The United States was able to pull it out uh, in the final doubles match. And... Uh, you know, I don't usually watch Fed Cup that much. I usually take it as a week off for my WTA handicapping because just like the players, I can get fatigued by the grind of the WTA schedule. Uh, but I just had to throw that in there because it was a lot of fun for me as a viewer. Um, so if there was anything I missed in the Fed Cup, because I'll be, I'll be honest, I didn't really pay much attention to the other countries. I saw that Osaka struggled a little bit on clay. Uh, but other than that, I was mainly focused on the United States uh, Latvia matchup. So if there was some great Fed Cup that I missed, go ahead and hit us up at the Networth Pod or hit me in my DMs and tell me what I missed and what I should be looking for next time and, and why maybe I should make the Fed Cup uh, a more regular part of my viewing and handicapping because I'll tell you what, I really enjoyed the United States versus Latvia. Now, was it because it was my home country versus my favorite player? Yes, but I really enjoyed it. And it, for a week that I usually take off tennis, I ended up watching a lot of tennis. So um, I think that really shows that these team events, they do have um, potential to be very interesting to, to WTA spectators and and I'd like to see more of it going forward and I'll tell you what if that was a way for them to kind of get me to pay more attention it worked because I liked it a lot so that was a quick wrap-up of what we have seen so far in the WTA this season uh, from Sophia Kennan to uh, surprisingly steal the Australian Open title to then the United States overcoming Latvia and advancing in the Fed Cup and making me a bigger fan of the Fed Cup in the pro uh, process. That's the word I'm looking for, process. So let's go ahead and jump in to the tournaments this week. I'm going to start with the smaller tournament, and I don't think I'll pronounce it right. Uh, Wa Win, I don't know. H-U-A-H-I-N. It's a Chinese tournament, and as, I don't know if this would be as expected, because this is kind of new to us, um, but it's a short field. The turnout isn't there. Um, the coronavirus has definitely uh, impacted WTA players, and I'll be honest, I'm surprised to even see some of these players here. I thought the Chinese players would be here for sure, and uh, just going through my bracket right now, I see about as many Chinese flags as I do any other country combined. Um, so they will definitely be a major part of this tournament. Um, but when we're looking at the big names, um, we have Svitolina at number one rank, and boy, does she have an easy draw. She might play Bouchard in the second round, but that's traditionally a pretty good matchup for Svitolina because even though Bouchard can hit and can hit through her, um, she has to play her best, and, and we know that Jeannie is quite inconsistent. Um, from there, she got Chloe Paquet, uh, Arena Rodianova, and uh, now Habino are on her side of the, are on her little quarter. So 
I mean, she basically has a nice little walk to the quarterfinals. Would it be fun if Bouchard was able to upset her? Yeah, it would. Do I expect it? No. So, um, a good thing to look forward is that normally I think that these these favorites are priced a little too short. But let's go ahead and look at the prices. Svitolina at plus 300 with almost a, a free walk to the semifinals. That's really not that bad a price. Now, that's not going to be the one that I'll be giving out on the podcast today. Um, but, boy, did she, I think that she got an easy draw. She got a really easy draw. So, in the second quarter, we have, um, I always say her name wrong, Wong Kyung. She's my favorite player, who I can't pronounce her name. And I apologize. And after doing two years of WTA pods, you should get better from me, and, and I'll work on that. Usually, I just uh, rely on Noops to say the full name, and then I just call her Wong from here on out. So, uh, forgive me for that, but I think that she also got a fairly easy draw, too. And I feel that this is just kind of the fact that, number one, there's a premiere going on in Russia at the same time. And, two, I just don't think a lot of players wanted to travel to China with everything going on with the coronavirus. And I'll tell you what, I can't blame them. On her quarter, she's got... Uh, a lot of players that honestly I can't even pronounce their names. She's got Vavara Flink and Lin Zhu on the other side. And I think that Wong is another one that actually we should talk about in our Australian Open wrap-up that I did not. But she was able to turn around a horrible performance in the Australian Open against Serena Williams where she won like, I don't know, it's like 17 total points or something. I mean, just something terrible. And then... She was able to basically do the same exact thing to Serena on the other side. And it was so fun as a fan of her. It was not fun because I backed Serena expecting a repeat of the U.S. Open. But I think it really showed how much she was uh, struggling mentally with the passing of her coach, Peter McNamara, during the Open last year. And even though a little time had elapsed, it was obvious that, that she wasn't over it yet. We know that time heals all wounds, maybe not fully. I'm sure she still misses him, and I'm sure, you know... It's when we lose people, it's something that we think about all the time. But I think that she's a little past that and ready to focus on her training and, and understands what she needs to do going forward. So when we talked about, you know, performances that were very inspiring and exciting to us as batters to continue backing, I definitely think that Wong put on one of them with that victory over Serena. Now she fell short uh, in the next match. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I think it was Pavlyuchenkova. I will have to look up that draw to find out for sure but uh basically i also think that wong got a very nice draw here and i think that's going to be kind of indicative uh, of what we're seeing here with this tournament which is a very very light field uh, i'm checking this really uh quickly no it was owns jabor owns jabor forgive me that was wrong and owns jabor is another one that i missed doing our little wrap-up because I, I didn't want to spend the whole pot on the wrap-up but boy she had a real nice coming out party there um looked fantastic and she was able to beat wong fairly easily i wonder if that was a little lit down effect from the big victory over serena uh, might have been there owns jabor who managed to retire Caroline Wozniacki uh, in the round before, which was another surprise to me in a tournament full of surprises. You know, when Chalky for like the first two days and then all heck broke loose, as is uh, the new custom in the WTA. So uh, two players that really broke out there on in that quarter of the Australian Open were Jabor and Wong. And, and I actually expect both things, um, good things from these women going forward. And boy, it just shows you how stacked the WTA is. And how unpredictable it is. So, um, 
I know I'm bouncing all around here. I don't have noops to uh, kind of keep me on track. So bear with me and give me some feedback on, on whether or not this was just a terrible idea to do it by myself. But hopefully I can uh, have some fun with you guys and, and and keep this thing going and at least get a somewhat um, preview that has a, a semblance of being able to be helpful to the tennis fans and the tennis bettors that listen to the Net Worth pod. So... Um, Basically here, I like Wong to come out of this quarter. I don't see... I'm not even going to do the first round matches for this quarter because... For this tournament because I just... This tournament is just... It's really an ITF level tournament with like five big names in it. So I'm not even going to do the first round matches. I will be very surprised if we do not see Wong in the quarters here. And... uh, I don't know. I guess, spoiler alert, she's going to be my outright pick at plus 425. And my idea here is she's going to be a lot more motivated than Svitolina uh, to make sure she has a good showing here. Uh, With Svitolina being the shorter price, even though her draw is fairly easy as well, I think Wong has an even easier draw. And I also think she's more motivated to make sure she pulls this through. I would not be surprised to see Svitolina um, get down, especially, you know, even to Bouchard. And just decide she wants to get out of China and get back to Europe where things are safe. So, um, Kian Wong will be my outright pick for this podcast uh, for the tournament. Uh, I know that's a spoiler, and I'll just go ahead and do the bottom of the brackets real quick. We got Yifan Wong and Zai Zai Zhang, and I think they got a tougher bracket because just because they have each other in it. Um, I have them meeting in the quarters. I think that these this quarter was actually one of the easiest ones for me to fill out because I expect to see um, full motivation from the Chinese players to perform well at home, and there therefore I can just kind of cap it off who I think is better. Um, does Jafan Wang have a higher ceiling? Yes, but right now I think that Zai Zai Zhang is much... Uh, she's in much better form right now, and she's just much more prepared to have a nice performance throughout the tournament. So uh, what should be an interesting match, uh, if, if Zhang and, and, and Wong here, Yafan Wong, end up playing each other, it should be fun. Um, but another thing where we have a couple big names with kind of an ITF-level field. So I do expect them to advance fairly easily, and because they are... Um, Chinese nationals, I don't think they will be as eager to get out as maybe some of the European players. So I think both of them do have interesting looks. Let's check out Zai Zai Zhang really quick. She's at plus 1,400. And if you don't like laying the short favorites, which I you, I do not, you know, a lot of times we don't. It's just because this field is so weak, which is why I'm going there. But I think at plus 1,400, she provides a good look. Now, I'm not going to play it because I'm going to go with my personal favorite, um, but I think at plus 1400, this is not a bad look and it will basically come down to, uh, to how she, how well she does against her, her rival, um, Yafan Wang. Now in the bottom quarter, um, we have another American star who actually didn't play as well as I had hoped. Um, it was Petra Martic and she lost to Yulia Gorgas, if I remember correctly, in a tough three set battle that could have gone either way. And, um, you know, I thought that she would do a little more in this tournament. She really had a breakout year last year. Uh, I'm talking about the Australian Open. I, th- I thought she would do a little more. I thought that that Yulia match was there for her to win. She wasn't able to come through. And those are the type of matches she was winning um, last year. Now, is that just variance? Is it just, um, you know, the, the luck of the draw or the way the ball bounces? I mean, it, it could be. And so I'm not downgrading Petra that much in my mind. Uh, but I did expect a little more, more from her. So it'll be interesting if she sees this weak field. 
and tries to take advantage of it or if it's more what I suspect and she's going to grab her little appearance fee play a couple matches and get out because I do not know and this is where it gets tough when we're handicapping I don't know how excited these players are um, to be in China at the moment and I cannot blame them with everything going on um, with the coronavirus and just the unknown uh, of a potential pandemic and it can be very scary it's even scary for us here in America and we are thousands of miles away the other big name in this quarter of the draw is Magda Lynette um, Lynette's a fairly, a fairly solid player who could um, do pretty well, especially if the other players don't play well. She's got Shai uh, Pang, Pang probably in the second round. I would not be surprised to see the, um, the Chinese national go ahead and take that match, as I do expect much more motivated uh, performances from the Chinese players. So I think that this one is tough to handicap. I wouldn't take either of these women. I think that they kind of got an actual WTA, 280, whatever they are, international level draw. Um, whereas the rest are kind of cruising through. So I definitely think the bottom quarter is the hardest. And if you pull up the draw, you're going to last to think that this draw is, is, is even hard. But that's the way it goes. Lynette will play Botarenko in the first round. She should win. But like I said, at the same time, uh, especially with the players that are seated for the appearance fees, it's hard to tell what type of effort we're going to get. So um, that's my quick wrap-up of Win. I don't even know if I said it right. Apologies again. But we're just having fun trying to get this out to you guys. And um, my outright, my outright was uh, Wong Kiong, and I can't even say her name right, even though she's my favorite player. And I can't wait till Noops hears this and gives me a lot of shtick for it. Um, <laughs> but I'm taking Wong Kiong, and I also think that if you want a a player with bigger odds, I think that uh, Zai Zai Zhang and Shui Peng. Uh, also are good looks, and Sai Zai Zhang is at plus 1,400, and uh, Peng is at plus 1,530. So that will end. I'm not doing any first-round matches here, guys. So if you actually have questions about them, um, you can hit Networth Pod up, and we will do our best to answer them, especially Jorge, who actually excels at exploiting these weaker fields that don't have a high market value, um, that, that really aren't lined that tight. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't here with me this morning, but he would actually probably be able to help you the most if you do have questions. But other than that, I, I think that we'll just wait. And when this when this tournament gets to the quarterfinals and, and it's more players that I am familiar with and we have an idea of who's here to play and who's here for an appearance fee, uh, it'll, it'll be easier to handicap. But I still do like... Uh, like Wong at plus 425, and that will be an official podcast play. So um, that adds the bad pronunciation portion of this podcast, and we are going to go on to St. Petersburg, which fortunately I know how to pronounce. So St. Petersburg is a fun tournament. It attracted a lot of talent. And looking here, it, you really do see the difference um, when you're looking at the draw. Um, the top quarter contains Belinda Benchitz, Jennifer Brady, Svetlana Kuznetsova, uh, Alana Ostapenko, um, Maria Sakari, and that's the top quarter. Uh, there's a couple qualifiers in there. I think I have them up. Let me see who the qualifiers were. So Cornet qualified to play against Penko, and Diachenko is going to play uh, Sakari. So I actually think that that's kind of a uh, 
a tough qualifier. You know, a lot of times when you're doing the brackets, you just put the name player past the qualifier. But I think in Dietchenko, uh, Sakari actually got herself a little struggle there. Um, I think she still should be able to overcome it, but uh, she definitely did not have a, a fun, easy qualifying there. So um, that's a nice top quarter in my bracket. I have Benchich going out. It'll be interesting to see. Actually, the way Ostapenko was playing, I was considering taking her, but she's got quite the, the fatigue playing in uh, Washington um, this week and then having to get to Russia and that will give her a little time but that is a, a definite fatigue spot and, and some of these players coming off the Fed Cup will have, have the same travel concerns so um, when we're looking at the players like that we always need to take this into account uh, I think that Kuznetsova is a nice wild card here um, she obviously at their top form can beat any of these players um, she has been streaky she's got older but um, she definitely can do it so um, I really don't think Belinda got a very easy draw here for being the number one seed. Uh, I still probably like her to advance, um, but if, if she did not, would I be that surprised? No. And do I think that she is worth it? At let me pull up the price again because I have uh, while when even if I'm even pronouncing that right up. Um, let me pull up St. Petersburg really quickly and get the outright odds. Come on, odds portal. On the outrights, Miss Belinda Benchich is plus 450. So if you compare that to the plus 450 that we got uh, with Wong in the earlier tournament, where she almost has a cakewalk to the quarters, uh, compared to Belinda, who's going to have to play uh, the winner of Brady and Kuznetsova, and then probably you know one of Cornet Ostapenko, Dietchenko, or Sakari in the next round, I, I don't think that that plus 40 holds any. Plus 450 holds any value at all. So while I do expect that, that, that Belinda could win this tournament, and I do expect to see a fully focused Benchich here, I, I don't think the odds um, are right for her outright price. I think I'd have to get at least place 700 uh, the way this draw is looking out. So in the next quarter, the big names, or actually all the names, are Kanta, Kuzmova, Sevastova, Garcia, Siniakova, and Rybakina. So this is an interesting draw. And we have Conta who skipped the Fed Cup um, for the first time in a while. I don't know the exact years, but she decided to skip it because she's getting older and she really needs to focus on her singles career. I think it was a good decision, right? Um, so that definitely comes into effect here when you're looking at these players that did play the Fed Cup. And if she were to play Kuzmova, who did Kuzmova get in the first round as her she got Ocean Dodan so she should actually be able to beat her as inconsistent as she has been um, but to get a tired Kuzmova who did play Fed Cup and you're well rested coming off a bye I mean this is setting up great for Kanta um, so I think that Kanta's definitely got a chance to make some noise here and, and I'm basing that just off the fact that, that she has been playing um, fairly well, regardless of her early exit at the Australian Open. And I think the extra rest is going to play into her favor. And when we talk about rest, that's very key when we're coming up into the next round with Zavastava, who I actually would like. She's going against my favorite fade, Caroline Garcia. But unfortunately, she's another one. She was in Washington. You know, they just, that was a, a 
emotional, grueling uh, little event that they played against the United States. And there is going to be some fatigue there. So I am going to probably play Sevasta in the first round because my Garcia fade is almost becoming blind and automatic at this point. Um, but I necessarily don't necessarily like her to make noise here. And the reason is, is because of the fatigue from playing the Fed Cup. So it'll be something that players look at going forward, especially, you know, players who decide to skip it like Conta make a run because um, for a player who needs points, a run from Conta, Conta here could definitely uh, help her going into um, the European clay court season where Conta, we had always counted her out, but last year she proved to be a clay court beast uh, against all odds, much to our surprise, much to our dismay, and costing us money because we kept fading her. So we have that in mind here, and I kind of like Conta's look to get out of this quarter here, and so I'll be interested. Now, I don't know if I'm going to bite. At only plus 11.10 is my outright odds that I'm seeing here. I just don't think that's enough. Uh, you know, I've sat here singing our praises for the last two minutes. Um, but a lot of that is rest. And when we get to the semifinals, you know, I just don't know how much it's going to matter. So uh, I do like Conta here to win the quarter. But I don't like her at the outright price. This is another one where I expect her to do well. Um, but so do the books, and they're not giving us good value, so we are going to pass on. I think a wild card here is Siniakova, as always, because if she redlines, um, she can win. But if she loses to Rabikina in the first round, would you be surprised? I, I would not. So um, staying away from those prices as well. Um, in the third quarter, big names we have, Donna Vekic, uh, Dasha Kasekina, one of my favorites, and also a poor victim of the Kitty Curse. And Kasekina, gosh, she cannot get a good draw, can she? She plays Alexandrova in the first round. So, um, boy, another tough draw for Dasha. Uh, also in this quarter, we have AVU, uh, Kiki Mladenovic, and Petra Kvitova, who I think is definitely an interesting um, look here. She played really well at the Australian Open, was not able to get things done, um, but she appears to be in form, and, and when she plays well, uh, left-handed big hitter, you know, she can cause a lot of players a lot of problems. So, I mean, you know, we're comparing the, the quarters in this, in this this draw to the other. I mean, it's just night and day. Uh, this is a really tough quarter, I think, for all these women. I don't know if I would like a player coming out. A quick look at the prices here. Um, Petra is the favorite at plus 288. you got to be kidding me coming out of that quarter. There's no way I'm taking that number. Um, who else do we have in this quarter? Donna's plus 1,500. Now, do I like that? Not really, because I still don't believe... I know she's won tournaments before, but I don't think she puts it together against a field like this for match after match after match. You know, I mean, I just think that she struggles with consistency and we see great play coming out of her, but it's not always there. Um, Kasekina, it's a complete no way. I don't even know if she'll get out of the first round at, at, at plus uh, 2,200. And who else do we have in this one that I was going to look up? Um, no Sevastova at plus 3,700. No, I'm not taking Mladenovic, and I'm not taking Siniakova. So, um, my outright, and I don't know. I don't know if I'm getting value here. This might be a little short, too. I don't really like any of these outrights, but we're here, and we're doing a pod. So, I'm, I'm making a bet, and that bet's going to be a Katarina Alexandrova at plus 1,100. I think that gives you the best value, as stacked as this field is. 
Um, I think that she's got, I think it's a terrible matchup for Dasha in the first round. I feel bad for her. She gets by that. Most likely she plays Donna. If she plays her best, and this is crazy because last year at this time, would we say that? No, we would say if Vekic plays her best, she wins. But I think even if both players play their best, the way that Alexandrova's been playing lately, um, you know, she gets by. Now, looking at this, she'll probably play Kvitova. Um, and that's going to be a tough match. So I don't necessarily like this outright, but it is the one I did like the best. But boy, this is a tough quarter. Um, for her to have to go through Dasha Vekic, and Kvitova kind of is tough, but the way she's been playing lately and being at home, I, I still like it. So I do like Alexandrova to come out of this quarter, and I think that she's got a great chance to win the tournament. The bottom of this quarter, it's a much easier, actually. So should I be taking someone out of here? Probably. But guess who the number one seed is? Kiki Burton's. Gosh, and I'm just like noobs with that one, right? I mean... I can't cap her matches correctly. She might play Putin Seva or Cooter Monster. And, well, she'll play one of them. Uh, I, w I wouldn't be surprised if Putin Seva got past her. So, obviously, if Burton plays her best, she wins. But how often does she play her best? Uh, lately, she has been... She went from being a player that I kind of handicapped as being a really consistent player to being kind of inconsistent. And I think that that is a result of the increased expectations we have for her. Um, after some good runs, now we're expecting her to be in the top 10 and compete like a top 10 player. And I don't know if she's a consistent top 10 player. Do I think she's a consistent top 20 player? Yes, I do. But top 10? No. I mean, she struggled there. And she's kind of struggled in pressure situations as well where she's supposed to win. So um, even though the Burton's price... Because her draw is so easy, right? I mean, if we're just doing this off draws, uh, plus 600 sucks. You wouldn't take it anyways. It's only plus 600. Uh, I mean, could she win? Yeah, I mean, I think she's got a, a, a fairly nice draw here. Um, but I'm, I'm still not taking her. Plus 600 is way too short. Uh, the person I have coming out of this quarter in the bracket that I filled out is Vondrasova at uh, plus 1,500. And I think that's another good value here, too, because I like her draw. She's got uh, Isla Tomdanovich in the first round. That's a tough match, but I think that she can win it. And if she does, I kind of like the way that she goes, because if she wins that first match, it's going to indicate to us that she's in good form. And if she's in good form, um, she should do well here. I mean, I, it's set up for her to do well. Now, we know that she's a clay court player. We know that she's pretty much waiting for the European swing. But guess what? She's going to want to get some of these points so she can be seeded going to these clay court tournaments. Maybe grab some buys in the smaller tournaments. Make sure she protects her seeding for the uh, premieres and the premier fives. So... Uh, I, I like Vondrasova here. I think at plus 1,400, this is going to be my value uh, on the bottom half of the bracket. So I, I, my two, the ones that I like are Alexandrova and Vondrasova. Uh, the qualifiers that I missed out on that are not placed in my draw yet, let me see if I can find them. Um, who's someone that we didn't mention at all? Uh, is it Samsonova and Potapova? Wow. Wow, I like that match. Is that going to be a fun match or what? So those are the two qualifiers on Vondrasova's on side. Wow, that's a cool match. And boy, is Samson Nova someone to look at here? Uh, probably not. Probably not. But what number are we going to get for the qualifying Ludmila Samsonova? 
plus 5,000. So, if you want a long shot, if you want a long shot and you're saying, spread, man, stop picking all these favorites. You're getting too safe. These are short odds. I want to win some money. Lumila Sansanova is the way that you need to go here. So, at plus 5,000, I like her. She's got a tough first round in, in, in Potopova, right? Um, they're both uh, at home and... You know, and that worth pod, we're high on Potopova's potential. Uh, what we're not high on is her attitude and her kind of ability to get down on herself when things aren't going well. Can Samsonova bring that out of her? I think she can, and I think that her form's a little better right now. So, I mean, would I be surprised if Samsonova lost in the first round? No, Potopova's a talented player, and if she plays her best, she might be better. And I think this is where I miss Jorge and noops here because i would actually be interested to hear them answer that question if both players played their best between samsonova and potopova who wins assuming both are playing at their peak and honestly i really don't know i really don't know but i'll tell you what i think that i would get a better i i can count on samsonova giving me more consistent performances and being closer to her best more often than potopova potopova's ceiling might be a little higher might but it's pretty close. And I think that's a great first-round match. And the winner of that will be placing, uh, facing Vondrasova. And uh, I still like Vondrasova there. Although, you know, that actually, now that I see that those two are the qualifiers, because when I was reading this off, I was looking at the bracket and it just says qualifier number five versus qualifier number six. I think she got two of the best qualifiers in her side. And I don't know. I don't know if the price reflects that. So... Her price actually probably should be a little longer than it is. Plus 1400 might be a little short, but I'm going to go with it anyways. So my two outright picks for this tournament are going to be Marketa Vondrasova at plus 1500 and Ekaterina Alexandrova at plus 1100. So that's a lot of fun. Um, and I'd love to hear you guys' feedback here because, you know, usually I get feedback from, from Noobs and Jorge. And they can tell me when I'm messing up when I'm not. So I know we have a bunch of sharp listeners. Obviously, you got to be pretty dedicated when, you, when you're listening uh, to tennis podcasts, breaking down uh, these Premier 500 tournaments and this wall win tournament, which is basically a glorified ITF event. You know, you got to be pretty dedicated. So I definitely would love to hear your opinions. Uh, one thing about tennis is it's not like, you know, the NFL. You can't tape tape study all the players right you have to choose certain players and that's why you'll notice you know in my betting patterns i do try find certain players that i've considered undervalued and i kind of ride them until the value catches up because i simply can't watch all the matches and that's especially with me being a multiple sport capper and um, some of the advantages that when jorge is on the pod he brings to us as as being pretty much a tennis capper i know he dabbles in some uh in some nhl as well but for the most part, I mean, that guy's watching tennis all the time. He definitely watches more tape than me. And he uh, he pulls a lot of things from the tape that I don't see, uh, which is wonderful as a resource for myself and for the Net Worth Pod listeners uh, to be able to use. But without that feedback here, uh, hopefully some of you listeners can uh, go ahead and, and get back to me on some of these questions I've been bringing up on the podcast and give me some feedback because I'm not getting it and it might make my handicap a little weaker this week. Um, so I'm going to go and start talking about the first round matches. Let me pull up the odds. And this is another thing, man. So I got to kind of like kill time as I pull up these odds because usually like noobs and them are talking um, while I'm clicking through all these windows. Um, so what do we have? Do I have odds for this one? Yes, I have 
First round match. First one we'll discuss is uh, something that I just talked about, and that's Tom Janovich versus Vondrasova. Boy, a fantastic first round match, and that's what you get in these WTA tournaments. Um, they're good from the first round on. The first round it almost becomes uh, must-see TV for tennis fans, and I think this match is one of them. Uh, Tom Donovich, uh, fairly good performance at the Australian Open, even, even though she fell to Garbine. Garbine played well. I don't actually downgrade Tom Donovich that much in my rankings. I just think that Garbine redlined, and uh, redlined Garbine is tough for anyone to beat. Not downgrading Tom Donovich at all. Uh, are the hard courts going to be a little bit of a factor? Yeah, I, I think that the surface does help. Help, help Allah. Uh, minus 182. I already have the. I'm already have the outright, so I'm not doubling down, and to hedge again. Um, you can't hedge in the first round, right? But for the listeners, if you're listening and you think that I'm stupid for taking Vondrasova uh, as an outright. Plus 147 is not a bad price for Tom Donovich. I don't think there's any way you lay minus 182 with Vondrasova. I almost think that price is wrong. And I'm surprised at how quickly the tennis betting community and the books caught on to Vondrasova. I thought we were going to get a lot more value. Obviously, that French Open run destroyed that for us. Um, but honestly, I already have the outright, so I'm not playing it. But just looking at these odds, it's Tom Donovich or pass if you did not take the outright. Um, so that's just my views on that match. That's going to be a wonderful match. Wonderful popcorn match to start with. Since Jorge is here, I can go ahead and discuss head to head without getting bashed. But Hey, you know what? This is one that exactly proves his point. So you say, Oh, Vonder Silver beat it last time they played. Well, it was last April on clay. What does that have to do with right now? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I think you get more, um, just from seeing the more recent results, and Tom Janovich was able to beat Sevastova in the Australian Open, which is a great win. And then, like I said, she lost a tough match to Garbine, and Garbine played her best. I don't downgrade her at all. Um, so I think that Tom Janovich actually comes in in better form. Vondrasova is coming in off uh, – she played pretty well in Adelaide, but she beat two players that really I don't rate, rate that highly in Maria and Rodionova. Um, then she loses to Ash Barty at Adelaide, which – it's not a bad loss, right? It's just like the Garbine loss. I'm not downgrading her at all, right? Ash Barty and Adelaide, that was a very tough match, and she lost it. Um, then she loses to Kuznetsova in three sets to start the Australian Open. So is that a match she could have won? Yeah, and I think that also might kind of indicate you know, some of her weaknesses on hard courts. And actually, as the more I look into this, the more I'm going to not place that outright. So I'm glad I didn't bet it yet. I'm taking Vondrasova off the board, folks. I'm looking at this. Plus 1,400 is not enough. So um, I'm taking that off the board. And you guys can grab the plus 147 if you like. I do not. I still think Vondrasova wins it, but I think this is priced incorrectly. Uh, the next match I have up here is Donna Vekic versus Christy On. Do I have – I don't have odds for this in front of me. Um, so just to give you a quick summary of what I'm seeing here, uh, you know, Christiane had a nice little run at the U S open last year, right? Made a name for herself and made me look dumb because I kept fading her every round because I do not think that she is, you know, a player of that caliber. I think that she was redlining there and I think she's kind of come back to earth now. Um, obviously, you know, she does have potential. This is a WTA. You have to be so talented to just be able to play on these levels. So you can never count anyone out or really, um, discount their achievements or their career here. But I, I really see this as an easy win for Donna. I don't have odds. I put her in a parlay. If it's anywhere 
up to minus 300. Other than that, it's priced correctly, and I would stay away from the match. I expect Donna to win, and you can throw in a parlay if it's less than minus 300. Um, the next match I have up, do I have odds for this? Yes, I do. And this is Kiki Mladenovic versus Allison Van Utbank. And this is a kind of an interesting matchup. Um, look at Allison Van Utbank. Boy, did she struggle to end her year. Um, her last win was October in Linz over Bonaventure. That's not a good win. Then, since then, she's lost to Kiki Burton's in Linz. Then she loses. Oh, she withdrew from that, so that doesn't count. Uh, she lost to Tormo on hards. Not impressive. She loses to Cornet on hards. Eh. Eh. She should win that, though. So that shows, that tells me. She's not. She's not a top form, you know. Cornet's a fine player. Van Utvink, if she was in form, and we'd be looking to bet on her. That's a match she wins. And then she loses to Fiona Farrow at the Australian Open. What does that tell me? She's not in form right now. This is not the player that was slamming through uh, these indoor tournaments that we were enjoying backing so much. Uh, take a quick look at Mladenovic, right? Um, Brisbane. She beat Perez, who's a player that I would need Jorge. Here, because I'm not familiar with her. Then we have Samsonova. She loses to Samsonova. Is that bad? No. But does it indicate good form? No. Should Kiki be able to beat her? Yes, she should. Samson I mean, honestly, they, they have kind of similar games. But, eh. I mean, that doesn't really get me too excited. And then, of course, she loses to Pliskova at the French, where she, I mean, not the French, the Australian Open, where she had a, that's a tough draw, right? That sucks. That sucks when you're Kiki Mladenovic and you draw Pliskova in the first round. So I think it's hard to say, but I'll tell you what. I'm not happy about Van Utbank's form right now, and I'm going to go ahead and just lay the small number on Kiki here. And will I regret it? Probably, right? I mean, is Kiki very consistent? No, not really. But Van Utbank's form has been so bad. I'm going to continue to fade her in, until she kind of shows um, – you know, some flashes of being in form. For the number 47th ranked player in the world, she is not playing like it right now. Um, Kiki, not playing that well, but at least her losses are, are, are to good players, right? So, I like Kiki there, minus 140. I think it's got some value. I will be placing a small bet on Miss Mladenovic. Um, the next match I will talk about is my favorite fade. My favorite fade. And wow, I don't care about fatigue. I don't care about travel. I'm only having to lay minus 128 to fade Caroline Garcia against uh, Sevastova, who's coming off a win over Serena Williams. You have to be kidding me. Now, I said I was going to put a small bet on Kiki. This is going to be a full unit here. Right? I might only put like a quarter unit on Kiki, right? I think there's small value. I want to take advantage of it, but I'm not really too excited about it. And I'm not really willing to risk too much of my bankroll um, with that inconsistency, but Savasova kind of maybe could turn her bad form around because boy, was she playing poor before this? Uh, her last win, you know, almost like Allison Van Eubank was in Moscow. Um, you know, so she did well in Russia when she beat Sasimich. Um, but since then she did, she did poorly, right? She didn't win a tournament in Australia. She didn't win a match, but let's look at the player she lost to. Cannon, Vekic, Tom Lanovich. Those aren't bad losses. 
Not bad losses at all. Did I think she beat Tom Donovich? Yeah, probably. Did I think that indicates that she wasn't in her best form? No. But is this win over Serena something that maybe could lift her and kind of get her back on track? Yes, it is. Do I want to keep fading Carol? Yes, I do. Full unit bet. Full unit bet. Sevastova over Garcia. Loving it, guys. This is my, probably my favorite first-round match. Uh, the next match I got, and I don't think I have odds for it, so I'll just touch on it briefly. Kuzmova versus Dodan. I don't want to touch this match. Um, even as a parlay piece, it would have to be like very, very short for me to take Kuzmova. I don't think the number I'm going to get there is is there. I think it's going to be minus 200 or more. I don't want to lay minus, two, minus 200 with Kuzmova right now. Uh, should she beat Dodan? Yes, she should. Would I be surprised if she lost? No, I wouldn't because her form just hasn't been that good lately. And let's be honest, right? We're up here and we're prognosticating uh, how these players are going to do. And if we were to go back and look at our hits and misses from 2019, I think that we could safely say we missed on Kuzmova. We were a lot higher on her uh, than her results bore out. And, and I'll bet you if I went back and charted it all, I lost money on her last year. Uh, because I think I believed in her a little too much. She's got a great serve, but she's not consistent, and she can be beat from the baseline, and if it's not there, uh, she folds. So I'm not touching this match unless it's like minus 140 or something, but it's not going to be. It's going to be higher than minus 200, and I'm not putting that in the parlay. I'm not touching it. Hopefully Kuzumova comes back, but don't bet on this match. All right, next match that we have, and I have odds for it. I'm not betting it is uh, Putin Seva versus Kudermatova. Putin Seva versus Kudermatova. Boy, was Putin Seva's Fed Cup celebration awesome or what? It was fantastic. I love Putin Seva. Love how fired up she gets. Just love the whole thing about it. Unfortunately, she turned around and lost to Elise Martin's very next match. But we got a cool gif out of it, and we were all excited, and it was really fun, and it showed us why we love Putin Seva, the little fireball, the little firecracker. That being said, am I going to bet her against the Cooter Monster? No way. Am I going to bet Cooter Matova? No, because she's another one that we love that the recent form just isn't there, right? Let's look at what Cooter Matova's done. Um, Hobart. Or actually, you know, she did pretty well in Australia, which made her Australian Open that much more disappointing, right? So she was able to beat, you know, some ITF, WTA-level players in Brisbane. Then she fell to Buzkova. Should she have won? Maybe. I don't know. Buzkova's good. I, I, that's not a bad loss, right? I mean, that's cool. I mean, is she going to have to start beating players like Buzkova to make the next step? Yeah, but am I going to take that against her? No. She beat Sam Strozer in Australia. Fantastic. Beat CeCe Bellis, who uh, is coming into form, right? I, that, that's a good win to me. And then um, she lost to Zhang, uh, who's playing pretty good tennis, right? So these aren't bad losses, what she did. Until we get to the Australian Open. She lost to Tormo on hards. Come on. Come on, Cooter Monster. You can't do that. You cannot do that. That's Honestly, looking at that loss is the main reason I, I can't I can't bet her here. Uh, I like Putin Seva. Am I going to bet Putin Seva? No. Um, but if you were going to say, here's $100, you have to bet this match, I'm playing Putin Seva. Am I putting my own money on it? No. But I like Putin Seva here to advance. Not enough to bet it. The next one that we have is going to be one that I'm not happy about. I named my kitten after her. And things have just gone terribly since. And she's got bad draws. 
She's had bad draws. Uh, let's go ahead and look. Uh, in Auckland, um, she beat Suarez Navarro. Wow, boy, that must have been a push fest. Didn't see it. Mm, don't think I missed much. Then she lost to Anna Samova. It's not a bad loss. I'd like to see Dasha be able to beat her because I think that Dasha, at her best, could force those errors. and she's, she's quick enough, but she's just not at her best right now. Serve is too weak. The serving event, service discrepancy is so bad between Anasimova and Kasakina. So, um, then she beat a player named Banks in Adelaide, and then she beat Gabby Drobrowski, who's Penko's doubles partner, but not much of a singles player, so not much of a win. Then she loses to Bencic, which isn't a bad loss, but let's be honest, if she is going to return to the top 10 form she once had, she went from 10 to 71 last year. That's how bad she free-falled. Uh, and, and Steve talked about it on the pod. She might be a player like Kyrgios that's just kind of happy living the tennis lifestyle, not too concerned with her poor results. So is she going to push herself to, to eventually, you know, compete with players like Bencic, which if I think she got her serve on point, she could. I mean, that's a big question mark. It's a big question mark. And then the Australian Open where I kind of had hope for her, kind of had hope that she'd make a run, add some ranking points, kind of turn her season around. She draws Madison Keys in the first round, which is an absolutely terrible matchup for her. Keys blows her off the court. No one's surprised. And this Alexandrova match is another in a series of bad draws. Now, being a Russian, is that, is that going to motivate her? I mean, it might. I mean, she beat Alexandrova on hards in Beijing in, in October. Right, and, and this I think is actually a more relevant head-to-head um, because it's recently. Uh, St. Petersburg is. Eh, it's not as fast as Beijing, but it's still still pretty fast. So, for her to win on a fast surface like that, that, that gives me hope that she can win. Uh, but honestly, I think Alexandrova wins this match. I think that she's playing better. Um, she's done so well. Um, she was able to win Shenzhen. And then the Australian Open, um, she did fairly well until she ran to Petra Kvitova, right? If you're looking and, and, and you just pull up the recent matches and your only L, your only red is a loss to Petra Kvitova, I mean, hey, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. Alexandrova won the Fed Cup, um, played pretty well against Rus and Bogdan. Those aren't huge wins, but it just shows you that she's in form and she's ready to play, and I don't believe Dasha is. So um, am I surprised that this number... Is so short, minus 250. Eh, actually, that's about right. Would I put this in a parlay? I mean, if you really want action, yeah. Do I think there's value there? Eh, not really. So uh, I like Alexander over to go on. I don't think that minus 250 is enough. If you want to play it, lay the games. I don't have the game spread in front of me. Um, but if it's anything less than minus three and a half, uh, that would be the way to go on it. Am I going to do it? No, I don't want to bet against my cute little kitten. Uh, but why I advise you guys to with your money because you guys don't care about my cat as much? Yeah, go ahead. Lay the games um, with Miss Alexandrova because, unfortunately, I think she beats uh, little Dasha Kasakina. The next match is Alana Ostapenko, who had a upset victory against Sophia Kennan in the Fed Cup. And that was pretty much shows that when she's on, she can beat anyone. She played very well against Serena. Very well against Serena, right? So I, overall, I think she quitted herself very well. Um, she was able to beat Samsonova, who I'd sung the praises of earlier in the Australian Open, um, the tournament before that, although I don't know if that form carries over. But she was able to win Luxembourg, and I think this kind of points to the fact that under coach Marion Bartoli, she's playing better. And you know that I love coaching, and I think that, uh, like Conchita helped Garbine, I think that Marion's a great asset uh, to Ostapenko, and I'm happy that she's 
here uh, with her together. So uh, I do like Ostapenko in this match. And do I have odds for this? Dang it, I don't see the odds for it. Anything, anything less than like minus 175, I think is good for the parlay. I would not lay the games at all because if Ostapenko gets down, she can definitely, definitely, definitely lose a set. Now, here's an interesting aspect going into this match, and another reason why I'm not fully endorsing it. Alize Cornet play qualifies here. So she's used to the courts. She's here. She's in the time zone. She's not traveling from the United States off an emotional win. So this is why I'm not going to bet this match because uh, Corne looked pretty good. She beat Zvonareva, who at this point, that's not really that good a win. But what does it show you? It shows that Corne is, is here to play, and she's got some time on the court. So I think that's a definite advantage to her. Uh, I'm staying away from this match. I... I at really short odds, I guess I'll take Ostapenko, but we know what we say, right? You don't. You fade her as a favorite, and you play her as a dog. She's probably going to be the favorite. I don't think Cornet can do it. I don't think you should bet this match, and hopefully Alana wins. So at least one of my kittens can make it to the second round. Uh, another match we got, and do I have odds for this one? Yes, I do, and I like this match. I like it a lot. I'm going to take Svetlana Kuznetsova. To defeat Jennifer Brady. And I know this is tough. Jennifer Brady has been playing well. Jennifer Brady has a better serve. Jennifer Brady can look very good when she's on point. Let's look at her last two losses. Petra Kvinen with Simona Halep. Those are top ten players. She beat Barty in Brisbane. She beat Sharapova. That's not really much of a win anymore. Uh, beat some other ITF level players in Brisbane. Uh, but she comes in in pretty good form, right? But guess what, guys? Uh, I think Kuznetsova, you know, she was able to beat Alondra Sova at the Australian Open. She lost to Camilla Georgie, which was kind of weird. But, I mean, Camilla can redline and beat anybody. And before that, she was playing really poorly. But she's at home. Um, I think that she's got a tough mental game. Uh, the good thing about betting on Kuznetsova is you're, she's not going to give up on you, right? I mean, I think she's going to fight to the end, especially at home. Um, you know, this would be a nice uh, Rocky Four story with the American coming into St. Petersburg, uh, trying to take on Kuznetsova. But I still like Kuznetsova here because guess what, guys? I'm getting plus 105. I'm getting plus 105. I'm not having to lay any money. I'm getting the higher ranked player, the more experienced player, and, and she's at home. So I am going to also make a half unit play on Svetlana Kuznetsova. Um, another one we have is Sakari versus Dietchenko. I do not, do I have odds for this? Sakari is minus 217. Do not bet this match. Don't bet this, bet this match, guys. I know that Sakari beat her in Adelaide and she won fairly easily. And now it's just a month ago. And I think that this is a relevant head to head as much as Jorge might. He'd probably agree with me there. He'd probably agree with me there, right? It's a relevant head to head. Happened recently, same surface. Um, but I'm not laying minus 200. I'm not doing it. Uh, Dietchenko uh, just uh, qualified here. She beat Vickley and Seva in the last round. Um, so she's here. This is her home country. And does Sakari win? Probably. Is it worth laying minus 200 even a parlay? No, don't. There's better There's better spots here, guys. So, uh, I mean, if you said you're playing Sakari, especially as a parlay, Peace. I definitely wouldn't lay the games. If anything, if you're going to play the spread, I might look at Diachenko here. I think she's going to play better than she played her in Adelaide. 
Um, but I'm staying away from this match, and I'd advise you to as well. Um, and then I think that I touched on it really quickly, but I don't. Do I have odds for this? I do. Potapova versus Samsonova. I have Samsonova as. I think I think this is about right. I, I don't think you should bet this match. I think this is gonna be a great match to watch. You know, it's crazy they never played each other before. So that's another interesting thing as well. So, um, long story short, uh, Samsonova. I, I lean her, but I'm not gonna play it. Um, Rubikina versus Siniakova. Do I have odds for that? Rubikina's minus two ninety four. Uh, that's a definite dog or pass situation. I'm not taking the dog here um, because, boy, when was the last match that Sinikova won? Uh, September. September against Ostapenko. That's not good. She's lost to Wozniacki, Mladenovic, Polona Herkog, Alessandrova, and Kvitova. That has been her season since she, lost, since she last won a match against Ostapenko in September. Um, so I don't even think it's worth it. I do not think it's worth it. I'm not even going to lay it, though, because Siniakova Redline could overcome her here, dog or pass, but that's only if you really need to bet on everything. So there we go, guys. Um, let's see. We'll do a quick roundup of the bets that I'm going to make. I'm going to do a quarter unit on Mladenovic because I see a slight edge, uh, but I don't want to get too invested in it because I think that there will be better chances for me to many as the tournament goes on. I'm doing a full unit on Sevastova. So uh, Mladenovic is minus 132, quarter unit. Sevastova, full unit, minus 128. Kuznetsova, half unit, plus 104. Those are going to be my three first round bets. Um, and we'll go back to the outrights. And I took Vondrasova off. So Vondrasova will no longer be an outright. My only outright will be Alexandrova. And at 11 to 1, I think they might argue that these odds are too short. But hey, I'm doing it by myself and I got to put out a pick. Not feeling too good about it. We're going to do a quarter unit on Alexandrova as the outright. And over and while win, my outright will be. I said it before. Let me just make sure I have the right number. Oh, Young Miss Wong Kyung. At plus 425, I know it's short. I know I'm square. I don't care. This is a field with four big names, and it should be ITF. So I took for a half unit Wong Kyung. If you do not like laying such short odds and you think I'm stupid for only taking a plus 425 in and outright, and I might be, uh, I think that Sai Zai Zhang at plus 1400 and Shui Peng at plus 1500 are great values, but I'm not playing them myself. Hey, guys, give me some feedback on the pod. You know what? I mean, I'd much rather be here with Jorge and Noobs. Uh, the scheduling was all messed up today, and I wanted to make sure that we had something out for you guys because we've had a streak. We've previewed every WTA tournament uh, for close to two years now, and I wasn't going to let the streak die. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, please give me any feedback, especially on these individual matches, because a lot of times when I'm handicapping it, talking on the podcast helps me with my handicap. And I wasn't able to get that today. You learn a lot more 
by listening than you do talking. So I don't know how much I learned today, but hopefully I was able to provide an entertaining podcast for you guys. Reach out to us at NetworthPod, especially to get Noobs and Jorge's um, opinions on these matches because, as we all know, know, this this thing works as a team and we're able to bounce ideas off each other. Jorge and I like tape study. Noobs is deep into the numbers, finding mathematical edges. It's a great team and a great way that we've been able to be profitable uh, as betters and as a podcast so far. So please reach out to us at NetworthPod. Any critiques of the pod, tell me what I can do better. Tell me what I can do worse. And if it's to get Noops and Jorge back on, yes, I know. That needs to happen. And we will be back as a team next week. Uh, But other than that, thank you guys. And uh, you know what? I was a little nervous doing this, but I had a lot of fun. So um, other than that, good luck in all your wagers.